Welcome to the Financial Life Podcast with me, Ben Robel. This is episode 33. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, let me emphasize that I don't know you and you don't know me, so I'm not recommending anything in this episode. Instead, my goal is to ensure that you can make decisions in your financial life with as much context as possible. Today, we're going to talk about the wealth management industry and its segmentation. This is a topic that doesn't get talked about very much, and unfortunately, it's something that people only really encounter after they've started interacting with the industry. The fintech industry and financial applications are really going to be out of scope for this conversation, but we'll get to them at some point in the future. So let's establish a few ideas before we get into this discussion. First, all industries and all companies segment their customers. Yes, you have been segmented many times already in your life. No matter the business, there is an ideal customer profile, ICP, that fits perfectly with the business model. And then there is everyone else around it. The metric used to segment customers or clients varies by industry and company, but generally it is there to help understand how to sell and market to a specific group of people who share one or more traits. Second, financial relationships are subscriptions. Every day you wake up and you decide to maintain your account at whatever bank or to pay fees to whatever investment manager you use. But if you wake up and decide to move your money or repay your loan, that subscription is over. The economics of many subscription businesses are based on comparing Customer Acquisition Costs, CAC, with Customer Lifetime Value, CLV. If it costs $50 to acquire a subscriber, the company needs to make more than that amount back within a given time frame for the business to make sense. So this is about profitability and also how quickly it comes along. Third, every business has to think about scale. There are two business models, high volume and low margin, like McDonald's and Zara, and low-volume, high-margin, like Rolls-Royce and Balenciaga. The business model and the path to profitability have to match up. Last of all, it's important to acknowledge that the wealth management industry is a product business. Now, I know that from the outside, it looks a lot like a law firm or a consulting company, but those people sell their time at a given rate. Most people in the financial industry do not sell their time. Most of them are salespeople, no matter what they call themselves, and they need to sell enough product to generate enough revenue to run the business profitably. Just because you can't see the assembly line that puts the products together doesn't mean it isn't there. It definitely is. But that is a conversation for another time. Now, with all of that established, let's get back to our topic, segmentation. It is exactly what it sounds like, dividing things into segments. Generally, wealth management companies look at people in five groups. Poor, mass affluent, high net worth, ultra high net worth, and like ultra, ultra high net worth, which are people whose families are so wealthy that they're sort of like small corporations. For this conversation, we're not going to dive into either end of the spectrum. The metric used to divide the remaining three groups is their worth, Not net worth, because the absolute size of the assets is what creates complications. It's also important to acknowledge that most wealth management companies are interested in your liquid worth. Many can't make any money if all of your wealth is locked up in a 200-acre ranch in Montana. 
Now, there is no agreed upon definition or framework for these groups, but generally speaking, let's assume that ultra high net worth clients have more than $30 million, high net worth clients have between $2 million and $30 million, and mass affluent clients have between $200,000 and $2 million. To illustrate the differences between these different segments, let's assume that we are running a wealth management company with one advisor who makes $200,000 in base compensation every year. First, let's talk about the low-volume, high-margin business, the ultra-high-net-worth group. These clients have so much money that you do not need many of them to build a good business. For example, a $40 million portfolio that is paying 50 basis points in fees fully pays for our one advisor. The problem is that these clients usually have so many complicated issues associated with their financial lives that it is almost impossible to cover them with just one person. That means that our $200,000 advisor has to manage and coordinate among a group of specialists around estate planning, credit, banking, investing, philanthropy, just to name a few. And the client still needs to be profitable within a given amount of time. This is a lot of work and it doesn't scale, but it's offset by the large fees that the client pays. Now, let's talk about the high volume, low margin business, the mass affluent group. These clients don't have enough money for any organization to give them a lot of resources. This is why there has been such a focus on building online banking, fintech, and robo-advisors focused on this space, even if that's not really how they eventually all worked out. The adoption of new technology was done to make it cheaper to deliver existing products more efficiently, i.e. to people with less money. In this case, we want our one advisor to do the lion's share of the advising which can be difficult because it is hard for one person to know everything about so many different topics, even if they come up only infrequently. It's also difficult because many of these advisors are found in retail or consumer finance, which does not really train them on some of the more nuanced topics in wealth management. Now, let's do the math. A client with a $200,000 portfolio that is charged 1% is paying $2,000 in fees, that means that our advisor needs 100 clients just to pay for himself. Now, this might be possible, and it was certainly the model underlying some of the older brokerage models like the Merrill Lynch Thundering Herd. But there will absolutely be some clients in these books who are dramatically underserved and who miss important moments in their financial lives because of it. Last, let's talk about the middle group, the high net worth group. These clients are the most poorly served by the wealth management industry. Why? Well, because they have enough wealth to trip thresholds on estate and tax issues, which can be complicated. But they do not have the resources to create their own family office or to command the attention of an ultra high net worth business. At the same time, advisors in the affluent space are usually not sophisticated enough to fully address these issues. That leaves the do-it-yourself option, using apps and other tools like Microsoft Excel, but that just creates a lot of extra work without any real guarantee of positive results. These people can be great clients for the wealth management industry so long as they don't have complicated problems. This is why retirees with multiple millions of dollars to manage are so attractive. But the problem is that many of these people make their wealth in more complicated ways. This goes back to the earlier episodes we did on source of wealth and how important it is to find an advisor who has worked with people like you and who has the resources to identify and address the problems you will face. So why does all of this matter? It is important for you 
to be important to whatever company you work with. And the only way to know if this is true is to understand the incentives of the people you work with and the way that they divide up their business. I have seen far too many people who are in the wrong segment within a company and who do not get the attention they deserve and need. You may find that you are better off in a lower segment and hiring an external expert to address more nuanced issues from time to time than you are to be a small client in a higher segments book. This is not about an affirmation, and this is not an intuitive thing that you should just know. It is really unique to each and every company. Make sure you are asking these questions until you get clear answers. Thanks for listening. I hope that this is helpful context for you and your financial life.